This podcast contains graphic content and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, it's Kayla. It's Katie. And you're listening to Murder, Mayhem, and Merlot. Like you expected me to start us off here. I feel like you always are the first one to say like, hey, or something, but maybe I am. I think that you are. I don't know. That's all right. Yeah. I took well, control this time. In the fucking driver's seat. <laughs> well, it is your fucking episode. So. Correct. Yes. And Correct. I'm going to take responsibility for we credit. We kind of switched. Yeah. Take credit for this episode because i literally begged katie to do it so she did and then last week she was texting me she's like i can't i don't know what to do like i can't find an episode and so i i sent her last week's episode that she covered the richardson family and then she had me cover this episode so yeah we just kind of and i just learned about it off of tiktok um i saw you know you see these short clips of stuff yeah and i was like "Ooh, that looks interesting that looks wild and it is yeah <laughs> and i was talking to katie about it and i said one of us has got to cover this case and then i was texting her and i was like i don't i don't know what to do like i can't find anything or think of anything right now that's like i want to cover like pop it up out at you yeah yeah to do yeah let's get to it i'm excited yeah. about this yeah so i'm going to start with one of our characters this this has a lot of characters it's a long timeline this goes over the span of a few years. Okay. So if you get confused about who I'm talking about at any point, because I myself got confused at some points writing this. Oh, you know, I'll make you rewind. So go back. If there is any confusion, just let me know. Okay. So we're going to start with one of our characters who this all stems around. And that is Dave Krupa. At the time, he was a 35-year-old man who had recently moved to Omaha in 2012 after he had taken a new job as a manager of an auto repair shop there. At this point in his life, he was recently single from his longtime girlfriend, Amy Flora, who was also the mother of his two children. Dave decided to try to casually date and for the first time in his life, tried out online dating. The first woman he clicked with on a dating site was named Shanna Elizabeth Gallier, who went by Liz. So that's what I'm going to call her. Okay. And what year was this? 2012. 2012. Okay. Yeah. I was 12. I was a year out of high school. Fabulous. <laughs> Liz was a single mother with two children of her own who happened to be relatively the same age as Dave's children. So that was kind of a selling point when they decided to go on a date with each other. In an episode of American Justice on A&E, Dave described Liz as sexy and said that she made him laugh. So the two set up their first date. The two developed a relationship sexually but Dave says that he told Liz up front that he didn't want anything serious right now and he would continue to see other women. And after six months, Dave found another woman that he was extremely attracted to. 
Carrie Farver walked into the auto repair shop that Dave managed to get work done on her Ford Explorer. When they looked at each other, Dave said he felt a spark. Dave told ABC News during an interview, quote, she is showing me something inside the vehicle and we're very close and there's some tension. Carrie Farver was born on November 30th, 1974, and she was 37 when she and Dave met at the auto shop. Carrie was working as a computer programmer in Omaha. Carrie was described by her mother, Nancy, and friends as being a warm person. Everyone said that she just had a laugh and a smile that lit up, and the love that she had for her son, Maxwell, who goes by Max, was like no other. Carrie was also a single mother, and when she was not working, she was spending time with her son. From all accounts, her world revolved around Max. But according to her mother, Nancy, Carrie had struggled with depression since her early 20s and had recently been diagnosed as bipolar. At the auto shop, Dave asked Carrie out, to which she said yes. They went to dinner, and they hit it off pretty well at dinner. So Dave invited Carrie back to his apartment after dinner, and the two spent the night together. Dave said he also told Carrie what he had told Liz, that he was not looking for anything serious right now. And to that, Carrie said she felt the exact same way. Dave said about this on A&E, quote, I felt like I'd hit the jackpot with that. The next morning when Carrie left the apartment, she passed Liz on her way out. So Liz that he dated before this now meets the new kind of not really girlfriend, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So like Liz was going up to his apartment? Yes. Oh. So Liz had made an impromptu stop that morning to his apartment to collect some of her things that she left. Convenient. Yes. But let's let's not let's not look into this too much yet. Okay, okay, okay. Dave said that they were next to each other when they walked by for just a few seconds, and that was the only time they were ever near each other. This brief encounter would prove to be more than just two women casually passing by. Dave and Carrie continued seeing each other and grew closer over the following days. Carrie had a big project at work that was happening at the time, and since Dave's apartment was just a block from Carrie's job, he offered for Carrie to stay there since she lived about an hour away in Macedonia, Iowa. This brings us to the morning of November the 13th, 2012. Dave was heading out to work while Carrie was getting ready for her job. He said that he kissed Carrie goodbye and he told her that he would see her that evening when they both got off. Around 10 a.m., Dave received a text message from Carrie that said, quote, I want to move in together, to which Dave replied that he was not interested. He then got a message back that read, quote, Fine, I hate you. I'm dating someone else. I don't want to see you anymore. Go away. Whoa, hit the brakes. I mean, <laughs> and Dave was speechless. I mean, who wouldn't Because he's like, we, we've kind of had a thing for just casually dated for two weeks. Two weeks they'd known each other. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I mean, he, he was like, I made this clear with her when we were on our very first date the night that she came to my apartment after dinner and she was cool with it and that's what she wanted she yeah, said yeah that's what I thought didn't she say like yeah that's that's fine yes yeah and, and so, so then now she he's just like which is up the what the hell yeah so messages continue to flow in and they were full of anger and profanity and that afternoon when Dave got home Carrie was gone two days later after no messages had come from Carrie Dave started getting texts again now Carrie was telling him how much she hated him He'd ruined her life. He was a terrible person. Dave said in his ABC interview, quote, I thought, I don't need this. I dodged a bullet. Nancy, Carrie's mom, said it was around that same time that she and Max began getting strange messages from Carrie. One of the messages Nancy got from her daughter said that she had moved to Kansas and had got a new job there. Nancy knew that her daughter struggled with her mental health, but said that Carrie had been seeing a therapist and was taking her medication. 
Nancy said that Carrie was doing really, really well at the time that she met Dave. And how random is it to just get up and move to another state all Like, of a you're sudden? like, oh, I got a job in Kansas, so... Like, I don't know how close her and her mom were, but, like... Very. Like, I mean, from all accounts, like, Carrie was just, like, a family person. Okay. Especially when it came to her son. So, like, everyone around is like, okay, she would not just move to Kansas without Max. Yeah. She just, just wouldn't do that. Right. Like, that's wild. No matter what's going on in her head. Like, yeah. everyone's like, it doesn't matter. Even when she's had these rough times with her mental health, the one thing that never slipped off was her being a mother to Max. Right. Yeah. Nancy tried to call her daughter several times, but she never answered and she would not call her mother back. Max also tried to call his mom and he got the same result. Nancy knew that something was wrong and she reported Carrie missing to the police. Local authorities latched onto the fact that Carrie had a history of mental health issues and blamed her disappearance on her recent bipolar diagnosis. They always do. That, uh, yep. The police told Nancy that they see this kind of thing often when bipolar people quit taking their medication, they have a mental break, and act erratic, and sometimes they run away. Mm-hmm. I, here's the thing. Like, yes, but at the same time, when you are having a mental break, a lot of times you get, you put yourself in not so good situations, and you can run into trouble. And that doesn't mean that you haven't, you know, just because you've had a mental break or something's going on with your mental health doesn't mean that something hasn't happened to you, mm -hmm. that someone hasn't done something to you. Because if anything, you're more vulnerable. So I, I just don't... I, this is why I stand by the fact that assumptions in an investigation are dangerous and they are deadly. Mm -hmm. And investigators, detectives, police, nobody should make an assumption. Right. In anything. Like, just because someone has bipolar, that... I just... Yeah. I don't... I get the line of thinking, but at the same time, I don't. And, and, and there's a history of this happening, and it's too late. And them just initially assuming that yeah. this is what happened mm -hmm. doesn't help the fact that this is going to... Like, if they would have not just assumed, oh, she's had a mental break, she's not taking her medicine, mm -hmm. um, she's just left... If they would have just started investigating, this could have been solved a lot sooner. Yeah. I mean, this this maybe would not have been drug out for almost like four years. Yeah. So the police were just not taking her disappearance seriously, and her mother knew that this was not right. When ABC reached out to, and I'm going to mess this up, the Potawatomi County Sheriff's Office about this, they told ABC, quote, We take all missing persons reports seriously, no matter the circumstances surrounding them. The available evidence during the initial investigation was inconclusive, but we did not give up. I'm not going to say them as a whole, and you'll see why later. Mm -hmm. But I mean, most of y'all did. Like, yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, Dave was still getting messages from Carrie via text as well as emails. They ranged from, we belong together, to, I will make you suffer. Dave said most of the messages concentrated on Liz. Yes. Well, at least I know she's not like missing missing i mean she's communicating right? right so like that's something i guess yeah i mean she's reaching out to somebody i don't yeah. know if they, they don't necessarily want to hear from her but but still she's reaching out so liz had also began receiving texts from carrie where carrie threatened her and liz's children liz called dave one day and told him that her garage had been vandalized and i'll just go ahead and let you know throughout this entire thing liz and so that first girlfriend that he met after when he started online dating mm -hmm. and Dave are on and off throughout this. 
Yeah. Um, there's a pattern, and I'll explain that later. Okay, so Liz was the second. So, so there was his the one he had children with. Amy. And then there was Liz. And then there was Liz. And then there was... Carrie. Carrie. Yes. Yes. And Liz is the one that passed Carrie. Yes. In the lobby or what? Yes. So I wonder if, like, Carrie was just, like, masking her, you know, like... And, and then she saw Liz and that she just, like... Like, something just... Snapped. Snapped in her. I, I just, I'm trying to piece this together not, before you get through the story. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not saying anything. But, yeah. So, Liz is also getting these texts and emails from Carrie, threatening her and her children. Then her garage gets vandalized. So, she called Dave. Dave drove to Liz's house when he walked into the garage to see that the wall had been spray painted with black spray paint. And it said, quote, whore from Dave. And Liz reported the vandalization to the local police. Right. I don't get that. Whore from Dave. I don't know. I would I would understand whore for Dave. But yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. I don't get from. I, I don't get the from. Like. Yeah. Okay. It happened. Yeah. Okay. Weeks pass with nothing but strange texts from Carrie to Dave, Nancy, and Max, and now Liz. Carrie was missing out on major events in her life. She missed Thanksgiving, her son's 15th birthday, and her father passing away and his funeral. Mm. Yeah. And most people would not miss one of their parents passing away and then their funeral and their son's birthday. I mean, people now, miss Thanksgiving, whatever. I mean, unless they've had a complete and total mental break and something's ha- or something's happened to them, but... Yeah. Yeah. Carrie messaged a family member after the funeral and said, quote, I'm so sorry that I missed the funeral. To which they said, quote, they... The only way I know it is you is if you call me and I hear your voice. They would never get that call. Carrie sent messages to her son, Max, saying that she was moving to Kansas and that she would come get him, but she never showed. Carrie sent texts to her mother, expressing to Nancy that she was never a good mother and she was too controlling. But in these text messages, Nancy said that she noticed some slip-ups that Carrie usually never made. There were several grammar and spelling mistakes in most of the messages, And Nancy said that Carrie was a stickler for punctuation and spelling. Dave was getting new messages that were increasingly alarming. Dave would get messages saying, quote, I see you with your feet up in the recliner, or I saw you take trash out after he just got inside from doing exactly that. He would get messages describing what he was wearing and doing constantly, and he was just growing more scared and angry. One night in January of 2013, around two months since all of this had begun, Dave spotted a familiar car in the parking lot of his apartment complex. As he walked over to the car, he realized it was Carrie's Ford Explorer. He snapped a picture of the plate and sent it to the Omaha police. Police arrived and searched the car, and inside, they found a mint canister, and it had a single fingerprint on the label. The fingerprint was lifted from the can and run through the national database, but there was no match. It was around five months after Carrie disappeared that Nancy got a call from a man working at a homeless shelter. The man told Nancy that there was a woman there that said that she was Carrie and that she wanted to be picked up and taken home. But when Nancy arrived at the shelter, there was no Carrie and there never was. There was a man that called and pretended to work at the shelter and said that Carrie was there. What the fuck? Yeah. I hate when people do shit like that. Yeah. Like, people who pretend to be, like, in in other cases and other instances, Mm -hmm. like, pretend to be the killer or, you know, write letters to the family. Happens a lot. It does happen a lot. And it's like, these families are already going through hell. 
and you just gonna make it worse or you're gonna get their hopes up thinking they're gonna get yeah. justice it's like you know like when killers in jail will take ownership of a of a crime right and you're and and you get your hopes up thinking there's gonna be justice for your loved one and then just it ends up that they just wanted attention yeah that shit pisses me off yeah like they're already going through hell don't don't add on to it yeah and why what do you get out of this they get attention is what they get like because this person never comes forward and they never find this person they never found the person who called? No. Oh. Like, you did this with complete malice. Like, yeah. that's... Just, you know, eh, let's just... Fuck with somebody's emotions. Yeah. I, Ridiculous. Yeah. One month after that call was made, Max messaged his mom on her Facebook account to see if she would answer. And she did. She messaged him back saying, Hey, little man, how are you? And Max replied with three questions. And he told her that if she could answer these questions, he would know that it was really his mom. The questions were, what is my middle name? What was the name of our first dog? And what is my best friend's name? Max never got a reply from his mom. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So now you start like you're you to this point and you're like, okay. The wheels are turning. Maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On May 18th, 2013, seven months after meeting Dave, Carrie posted on her Facebook And this is after several friends and family members have tried to reach out. Mm -hmm. And it's been weird and they don't think that it's her. Remember, I'm going to read exactly what she said. And just remember that her mom said that she's a stickler on grammar. Okay. The post read, quote, I have answered enough questions to prove myself to everyone. I'm done. You can't either believe I'm your daughter, mother, sister, and friend that you have known your whole life or you could just leave me alone. I have proven myself over and over, and I'm done. I left on my own free will, and I'm sick of everyone giving me a hard time for doing what I needed to do. I'm not missing. I just don't want to come home right now. I'm a grown woman, and if I feel like leaving home, I have the right. I asked my son Max, Maxwell James, to come with me, but you didn't want to. So when I'm ready to come back, I will. I'm sorry for hurting everyone and just up and leaving. I know I I have upset some of you, but I needed to do this for me. Sorry, and I hope someday you can forgive me. I love you all very much, but I need time still to sort things out. So there's there's quite a few grammar issues with that. Yeah, a lot of grammatical errors there. And that is exactly what she wrote. Mm -hmm. Dave and Liz were both still getting emails and texts from Carrie with threats and nasty messages. Dave said to ABC, quote, it was actually extremely common for us to be hanging out on the couch, watching TV or something, and both of our phones would start blowing up with text messages and emails from Carrie. Once Dave got an email that said that Carrie was going to kill Liz, and with that email came a picture of a woman tied up in a trunk. What? Yes. So Dave called Liz immediately after seeing the photo, and Liz was fine. She was not tied up in a trunk. But like, who was? That's <laughs> Yeah. Was Carrie, it just a fake photo or was this real? Like, okay. Um, Carrie also sent Dave the same evening a fake obituary of Liz. She was she was taking this all the way home. Yeah, she was. <laughs> On August 17th, 2013, at 8.14 a.m., Liz's house caught on fire. The family's two dogs, a cat, and a snake died in the fire, <gasps> but the children and Liz made it out unscathed. I mean, I'm happy they made it out, but the animals? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, God, that makes me so angry. Whoever, oh, God, that makes me so mad. It's like movies. I can't watch. If like, a person I, dies in a movie, I'm yeah. like, Argh. But if an animal dies, I'm like, 
I can't watch it. I'm, I refuse. I'm yeah. not going to watch this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, oh, that makes me so angry. Yep. On the A&E episode about the case, investigators said that an amateur investigator could see that this was clearly arson. In photos from the house, there were piles of laundry with gasoline on them and several emptied canisters of gas. Liz told officers she knew who did this. It was Carrie Farver. At 12.56 a.m. on the 17th, early that morning before the fire, Liz had received an email from Carrie where she said she hoped Liz and her children burned alive. And Dave had gotten an email the night before at 11.57 p.m. that said, quote, I'm not lying. I set that nasty whore's house on fire. I hope that whore and her kids die in it. And when did Liz receive the email? Liz got it at 12.56 a.m. on the 17th. Okay. The fire was at 8.14. So she, she said, I set it on fire, but it was hours before she actually did it. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's just letting them know. You know, she's okay. just letting them know what's up. Okay. Before okay. she did it. Mm-hmm. And they was probably asleep. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's one o'clock in the morning. Right. She's asleep. Liz just in yeah. the bed. Yeah. She, yeah. And then Dave had gotten the email on the 16th at 1157. So like right before midnight. Okay. Yeah. Dave's auto shop was also vandalized at one point. And one night, he had his friend Heather over at his apartment. So this is one of the times that he is off with Liz. Mm -hmm. She said that she witnessed Dave's phone blowing up with messages, her jiggling of the front door handle that night, and also had a brick thrown through the window. Oh, my God. Yes. And so now we're going to add someone else back into the mix that we haven't talked about since the beginning. And that is Amy Flora, the first girlfriend, the mother of Dave's children. Okay. And now Amy is also getting messages from Carrie. So we've added more. In the springtime of 2015, so two and a half years since Carrie was last seen, and this has all started, two new investigators requested the case. Detective Ryan Avis and Jim Doty of the Potawatomi, I know I'm not saying that right, County Sheriff's Department. They strategically planned out how to investigate this bizarre case. Ryan would work it like Carrie was alive and try to prove that she was alive. And Jim would work it as if Carrie was dead and try to prove that she was dead. That's smart. That's smart. It was a good it's yeah. a good tactic. I feel like that's a good strategy. They started at the very beginning and worked their way through all the messages, emails, mental health diagnoses, etc. Wait, and, pause. What were the messages to Amy? What did those say? Um, It was also just threats and stuff. Okay. Yeah. When you look this up, there's only a select few messages from like Carrie to Dave or Carrie to Liz or Carrie to her mom or her son that they show, there's really, you can't look up, like, all of them. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I dug forever to try to find, like, a timeline of messages. Because, again, I mean, this goes on forever, and it can get jumbled. Yeah. And so yeah. I tried to find, like, an actual timeline laid out of these messages and emails, but there's they're not all released. Gotcha. So okay. after checking her bank account, the two realized something. Not one cent had been used out of Carrie's account since she was last seen. And how could that be? Two years with no money to use on food, gas, a place to stay, nothing. I mean, unless she opened another one, but... I mean, they looked. Oh, okay. There was nothing in her name that right. had money anywhere. Hmm. At this point, they both knew she could not be alive. One more detail stuck with both of the men, and that was Liz Gallier. 
She had not been a part of Carrie's life until after Carrie disappeared, and the two men saw her name everywhere. Every page they slipped through, Liz. Every complaint they would get, because Liz was also constantly going to the police over these messages. More Liz. Liz, Liz, Liz was everywhere. And they were like, that's weird, because they didn't even know each other. So why all of a sudden, as soon as Carrie's gone, Liz is like a huge part of this. And they didn't even know each other. It's kind of weird. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The two men enlisted the help of the digital forensics administrator, Anthony Kava, who goes by Tony. With Tony now in on the investigations, things started coming together. Tony said, quote, We knew these messages didn't seem to really be coming from Carrie Farver. Carrie, or the imposter who was pretending to be Carrie, sent Dave about 15,000 email messages over a three-year span. It might have been upwards of 25,000 or 50,000 texts in all. Whoever was pretending to be Carrie got more and more sophisticated in what they were doing to try to hide their IP address and try to hide their real identity. This was in the interview with ABC that Tony said that. So that's why you don't see all the emails and messages because they're combined together. There was like 100,000. <laughs> oh, right. So Tony somehow, and this confused me, but like they never explained it. And I don't actually know what phone dumping means because I'm not a detective. Mm -hmm. But Tony dumped Liz's phone. Like, they didn't have access to it, so I guess he just got, like, phone records and stuff. I guess that's what that means. Or I wonder if, like, if you know someone's, or if you can hack into someone's, like, cloud. And just I don't know. Because I'm know like, would I'm that saying? be legal? I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Unless they got a but warrant. But he has access I mean, to photos. So. Okay. So. So Tony dumps Liz's phone, and they found a photo of Carrie's car where the police had found it at Dave's apartment complex. But the date stamp on the picture was an entire month before police found the car. So that means that Liz knew where Carrie's car was a whole month before the police or Dave knew where it was. So, like, it it was at Dave's apartment, like, when they first started? It, it, it was at the apartment complex the whole time. That car never left the parking lot. Left, okay. That car was always there until Dave saw it, called the police, and they took it. Okay. Yes. So when we're assuming Liz took that picture, that was where? The car? Yeah. It was in the apartment complex okay. parking lot. Okay. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So it's Carrie disappears. Car stays in Dave's apartment complex parking lot. Liz has a photo. One month later, Dave finds it, calls the police. That's when they find it. And the mint can and the fingerprint and all that stuff. But somehow Liz knew where this car was a month before anybody else did. Okay. Yeah. That's suspicious. Mm-hmm. They also found six phone calls that were made to Carrie's phone by Liz, but with the prefix star six seven. And if y'all don't know what that is, that means that if you call somebody with star six seven in front of it, it will come up as unknown caller. Yeah. Did that a lot back in the day. Prank calling. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. A lot back in the day. Mm-hmm. Which was confusing to see as the two women only knew each other from passing in a hallway for no more than ten seconds. So like, why are you calling Carrie? I don't pass people in the breezeway of my apartment complex and start calling them with star six, seven in front of it. Yeah. Mm. You know? Yeah. Just not normal. They also found in her pictures, the photo that was emailed to Dave of a woman tied up in a trunk. And they found a video of someone walking around outside of Dave's apartment that was later uploaded to YouTube under Carrie Farver's name. But the IP address that was traced back from where the video was uploaded was Liz's house. 
this woman it gets weirder has been oh my god it gets weirder hold up Ugh. don't make any assumptions yet hold okay. Up. okay 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 i just said they were dangerous like <laughs> i'm sitting here thinking did she burn her house down on her own and, and killed her animals like my, i'm reeling right now like my mind is reeling hold up okay okay okay, okay. in may of 2015 the new detective spoke with nancy and told her that they knew that she was right, her daughter was missing, and something was off about this whole thing. But they assured her that they would find out the truth. Also during this conversation, Nancy provided another strange clue. Carrie, when she initially disappeared, had texted her mother and said that she had sold her bedroom furniture set and asked her mom, since she was now in Kansas, to go to her house and unlock the door and leave so that that person that she sold the furniture to could come in and pick it up and then go. She didn't want her mom to stay around. She didn't want her mom to be there to watch in case whoever's getting this furniture, you know, was going to steal something, you know. The way I would have, like, hidden a closet or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> or, I don't know, I've just been sitting there on the couch like, who are you? Yeah. She was like, Mom, unlock the door and head out and they'll come get it. It reminds me of that TikTok. Who are you? This is my house. <laughs> I'm the owner of this house. house. I'm the owner of this house. <laughs> So, that's weird. So, Nancy's like, okay, show me proof of the sale. And so, Carrie doesn't technically provide proof of the sale, but she does send a picture of a check that was written out to her, and it was signed by the name Shanna Gallier, which, if you remember, is Liz's real legal name. Detectives were also (laughs) able to match the fingerprint on the mint canister Back to Liz. And now, there was another issue. Dave had recently purchased a pistol for protection. But when he came home one night, it was missing. Oh, God. Yes. On December 4th, 2015, Liz walked into the... I hate this police station name. (laughs) Potawatomi? (laughs) I'm over it. Listen, when I say police station, it's that one. Listen, you just need to say the Paw Paw Police Department. <laughs> it's P-O-T-T-A-W-A-T-T-A-M-I-E. Potawatomi. You did way better with that than I would have. <laughs> well, I looked at the pronunciation. <laughs> okay, because I'm in like the Potty Police <laughs> The Potty Wadi Police Station. Exactly. <laughs> so when I say police station, it's that one. If I specify any of the other ones that come in later, I will say the city that they are but not this one anymore. I'm over it. Okay. So she walked into that. (laughs) (laughs) She walked into that police station. Liz did. The the potty police station. The the potty wadi police station. And (laughs) she filed a harassment complaint against Amy Flora. Which is the mom. Which is the mother of Dave's children. Yes. Huh? Okay. Amy was the first girlfriend. No, I know. I know. I understand that. But she, she filed. Liz did. Yes. She filed a a harassment complaint against Amy Flora on December 4th, 2015. Remember, this started in 2012. I need you you to keep going. I need you to explain this. We're in 2015. Okay. Detective Ryan saw Liz come in, and so he was like, I'm going. Mm -hmm. So he drove to Liz's home after she filed the complaint to, quote, interview her. And when he was interviewing Liz at her home, she delivered a shocking statement. Liz said that she now believes that Amy Flora has been the person behind all of these messages, not Carrie. She believed that Amy was pretending to be Carrie 
And at this time, when he was at her home, he asked if he could have Liz's phone to search it, and she agreed. And he said in his uh, interview with ABC, he was like, I was shocked. I was floored that she actually just handed her phone over. He's like, I did not think that she would just do that at all. He also asked her, while he was interviewing her, some more questions. And when he's asking these questions, Liz just goes, and I know that Dave, his 9mm Smith & Wesson is missing. She says exactly what the gun is. And he was like, you know, Ryan is sitting there like, okay. And so now he's like, why the hell does she know exactly what kind of gun this is? Because at this time, reportedly, Dave and Liz are not dating. So Ryan's like, well, how did you know exactly what kind of gun? And he starts asking questions about the gun. And then he said that he thinks that Liz knew that she kind of fucked up. And she just starts answering real vaguely about the gun. So that was kind of weird to him. So he gets her phone. He leaves. Later on, at 6.40 p.m., 911 gets a phone call from a woman reporting having been shot in the leg at the park that was close by to the police station. This woman was, guess who? At this point, Katie, I really don't know. Liz Goyer. Huh? Okay. Liz. She had someone shoot her in the leg. Hold on. Liz had been shot in the back of her thigh in the parking lot next to the driver's side of her car. She initially said that she did not know who shot her, but then changed up her story when investigators got there and said that she knew who shot her and that it was Amy Flora. Liz continued to change her story several times over the course of the next few weeks, but the stories always ended with Amy was the one who shot her. And the night that she was shot, after Liz was taken to the hospital, Amy Flora was questioned by the police, and they even looked at her phone, checked her phone's location. She was home the entire time. She was cleared within an hour. They were like, Amy did not shoot anybody. She was at home. Right. Tony, so our digital investigator, has now been searching through Liz's phone and finds that she has around 20 to 30 fake email addresses, which all happen to be some version of Carrie Farver's name. Liz also had an app that allowed her to set up messages and emails to be sent at a later date and time. Two weeks later, the detectives had Liz come to the station for questioning, and she was sticking to the story that Amy was behind all of this. And detectives thought to themselves, we'll go with this. We will let Liz think that we believe her, and we're going to ask her for help in getting Amy to incriminate herself. They asked Liz to reach out to Amy and see if she would tell her anything about Carrie's disappearance. And it worked. Liz instantly faked emails coming from Amy Flora. Now, they just needed some details that only someone who murdered Carrie would know. Initially, one of the first emails that they got, this part confused me, but I'm going to try to break it down. One of the first emails that, quote-unquote, Amy sent Liz was that she had shot Carrie at Big Lake Park. Then, one of the last emails that Liz gets from, quote-unquote, Amy... Amy says that she stabbed Carrie in the passenger seat of Carrie's car, so in her Ford Explorer, then burned her body, stuffed her in a trash bag, and threw her in the garbage. Liz was growing angry with detectives over the course of these emails from Amy, quote-unquote, being Mm -hmm. sent to her, confessing to her murdering Carrie. Right. And there's actually a phone call that you can hear. It's in the A&E episode. They play the phone call of Liz, like, calling the detectives and being like she is just out here and she has confessed this and you're just letting her walk around in the streets like she's like frantic 
and just like pissed. And it's funny. But detectives told Liz that they just needed a little more time. Then they searched Carrie's Ford Explorer one more time. So this was the third time that since Ryan and Jim took over, they've searched the car. And this is when they found what they needed. So after they got that email about her being stabbed in the passenger seat of her own car, they cut the fabric on the passenger seat because it was like leather. And they lifted it up. And underneath in the cushion part was a red stain. It was collected, tested, comes back. It was positively identified as Carrie Farver's blood. So now they're like, bingo. Omaha police were brought in since the murder most likely took place in Omaha and Detective Schneider had Liz come in for questioning. He showed her all the evidence they had against her and the newly added email confessions from quote-unquote Amy and of course Liz denied any part of any of it. And while Liz was sat in a room being questioned by detectives, Ryan and Jim, the detectives from the potty police station, they had gotten a warrant from a judge to search her apartment. So they're in her apartment. And there they found Carrie's camera and her camcorder. When they reviewed the footage on the camcorder, they found a video of Carrie Farver that she had taken of herself showing her Ford Explorer had been vandalized. It was time stamped two days before she disappeared. So someone had vandalized Carrie's car two days before she just disappeared off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see you. I see your wheels turning over there. <laughs> Katie, I have no words. I'm just letting you talk. I, I can't even right we're, now. We're coming, we're coming in towards the end. We're coming in towards the end. Y'all should see me right now. <laughs> it's like, she's like over here, like got her hand over her mouth. Like you can just see, she's just like, okay. <laughs> she's fidgeting. Like she just can't, she can't handle. Like she can't deal. On December 22nd, 2016, Liz Gallier was arrested and charged with the first degree murder of Carrie Farver. Trial was set to begin in 2017, and after months of fighting in courts prior, finally happens. Since there was no body, no official crime scene, not even a murder weapon, it was a very difficult case for prosecutors. Then, just a few weeks before trial, Dave handed over a tablet that he had in storage to investigators. Tony, the digital forensics detective, removed a small SD card, and he is unsure. He says in the A&E episode that he's unsure initially if he can recover this. But he was like, usually there's a way with SD cards. And he does. He is able to recover thousands of photos on this SD card. And after hours of flipping through these pictures, Tony stumbles on their smoking gun. At first, he says that he has no clue what he's looking at. And then when he sits there, and the longer he looks at it, he realizes this is a picture of a foot. This is a picture of a decaying foot on a dead body, and the foot has a Chinese symbol tattoo dead center on the top. This was the exact same tattoo that Carrie had on her foot. Tony was shook. Not only did Liz murder Carrie, pretend to be Carrie for years, harass several people, even setting her own home ablaze, killing her children's pets, shot herself in the back of the leg, but she took pictures of Carrie Farver's dead body. That was going to be my next question, is who shot her? Like She did. She shot herself. Like, she just took that gun and, and shot herself in the back of the thigh. Yes. She stole Dave's gun and then shot herself in the back of the thigh. She stalked Dave. She stalked Amy. She stalked Carrie. Killed Carrie. Took Carrie's phone. 
pretended to be Carrie for years, not only pretending to be Carrie to stalk Dave and then pretend to stalk herself, talks to Carrie's mother, talks to Carrie's child. Yeah, Liz was. Yep. And then took pics of her dead body on Dave's tablet. It's not even her fucking tablet. It's her on and off boyfriend, Dave. It's his tablet. Was there just a picture of the foot? Um, it never actually says if there's any other pictures. Okay. But they say in clips of the trial on the A&E episode, they say, like, the photos. So I'm assuming there's more, but maybe they were just, like, too graphic to include. Right. But uh, I, I could not find another article or... But that's the one that matters the most because it has the tattoo. Yes, and, and there's yeah. so there was so many pictures of Carrie with her shoes off where you can see this tattoo clearly. Yeah. And you're like, that's... That's the same tattoo. So, she said she threw her in a dumpster. Yeah. So... They never find Carrie. Oh. Yeah. So, I'm just wondering if it's, you know, like, where she kept the body to take pictures? Hell, like I, I don't know. Like, when she... When did she throw the body in, into a dumpster? And how... And, and if she did it right after she killed her, then how was she going back to take a picture? And then if she didn't do it right after she killed her... Where did she keep her? Listen. And who was the body in the trunk? All this evidence was presented in court as Carrie's family watched from the back. Many witnesses testified, Dave and Amy included. And eventually that same year in 2017, Shanna, or Liz as we know her, Gallier, was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to life. She was also sentenced an additional 18 to 20 years for setting her own house on fire which Liz is to serve these sentences consecutively. So she got to serve life and then 18 to 20 years. Judge Timothy Burns said at the sentencing, quote, Carrie Farver did not voluntarily disappear and drop off the face of the earth. Very sadly, she was murdered. Liz was sent to serve out the rest of her life at the Nebraska Correctional Center for Women. Liz maintains her innocence and said in a letter that she wrote to author Leslie Rule, quote, I will not stop fighting until I'm set free and they find the right person. I'm like, bitch, they did. <laughs> like, yeah. Dave said in his ABC interview, quote, I want Liz to go away and never do this to anybody again. Nancy and Carrie's son were foremost in my mind. They're unfortunately the ones that have to live with the repercussions. Dave also shared that he felt that the detectives, Ron and Jim, that worked this case, and Tony, were true heroes. Nancy said that those three detectives were, quote, her boys. So Carrie's mom calls them her boys. And that they meant the world to her and that they would just never know how much she was thankful for them. The three detectives, Ron, Jim, and Tony, wanted to honor Carrie's life with something special. So the three men established a scholarship fund at a local community college in Carrie's name. When ABC asked Nancy how she wanted her daughter to be remembered, she said, quote, as the fun-loving, talented, smart woman that she is. And that is the case of Carrie Farver. Dave Krupa, Amy Flora, and Shanna Elizabeth Gallier. That's one of the craziest cases <laughs> I think we have ever covered on this podcast. Yeah. I, that's, that's a doozy. That's, um, I, yeah. I mean, it's like the ultimate stalking case, I feel like, you know. And at first you're listening and you're like, dang, you know. You're sitting here thinking like, Carrie's crazy. Yeah. And Dave, like he says in, in all these different interviews and shows that he does, he's like, you know, I spent years using any opportunity that I could 
to tell people how awful and crazy of a woman that Carrie was. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I said these horrible things about this woman and the entire time she did. She was dead. She was a murder victim. Yeah. And it's like, I wonder how many times, you know, him and Liz were just hanging out or whatever. And he and they're both sitting there talking so much like shit about Carrie. And the whole time Liz is like, yeah, that's me. Yeah. You know, like, (laughs) and I mean, she's sitting there like, I mean, Liz, she totally missed the opportunity to be an actress because, I mean, how many times were you sitting there with Dave and you get these emails and text messages that you had set up to be delivered later and you're sitting there with him and you're just acting shocked and scared? Like, but you just should have been an actress. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, too. Like, when they would get the text messages together. But I guess, you know, she I mean, she's got to make it believable because Dave never thought that anything was up. Right. And I wonder how pissed off Liz was, like, when Dave would date other women, you know, like, she threw a brick through his window, you know, because she's probably like, I've done all of this for you. Oh, yeah. You know, and she's like, she's probably like sitting there thinking, I've, we're stalked victims together like yeah like like we're supposed to be going through this together and the pattern that i was talking about like in and i didn't like say like okay they're on they're they're on they're off i said it a few times but there's it's on and off a lot Mm -hmm. um the pattern that gets established is like sometimes the emails and the text messages would lay off and there would be like no messages for a while Mm -hmm. and that was a lot of the times when liz and dave were back dating it would kind of fall off. They wouldn't have it as much. Nothing, nothing was vandalized when they were like, you know, really seriously with each other. But then like he would maybe go out with another woman or something because this whole time he's not like just dedicated to Liz. Right. And then like he would go out with another woman and then, oh, shit, her house on fire. So oh, shit, she did her garage this was broken. to get attention from yes. Dave in a sick, twisted way that yes. she did. Yeah. Oh, shit. I've been shot in the thigh. <laughs> I'm like, like, and I mean, people, other people have done this. This has happened a lot, like where people like shoot themselves or stab themselves and shit. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, how do you do that? Like people that have to give themselves like insulin injections are nervous the first like while that they do it. Like people have a hard time giving themselves shots that they mm-hmm. need to sustain their life. And you shot yourself in the fucking leg. Like, <laughs> how did you build up the sheer fucking just gall to shoot yourself with a gun like i wonder i wonder what she did with the gun after that like it i couldn't i didn't find anything that said like what happens with the gun i mean i don't know if the bitch just like threw it somewhere yeah or yeah hit it under her seat in her car you never hear you never hear about that because you think like smith and wesson you (laughs) shoot yourself you've got to like black out for a second like i mean like i I just that's wild to me (sighs) yeah People struggle literally to give themselves animals. Like you killed your kids' pets. Yeah. Something could have gone awry and one of your children or both could have died in that fire. You could have died in that fire. Mm -hmm. But you were willing to take that fucking risk. And I should have. For some dick. Like, (laughs) Like, I should have thought of some, like, thought something was up about that when you said there were piles of clothes with gasoline on them. Like, not putting it past the stalker or anything. To do something like that, but you would think that you would put it on the, I don't want to give my ideas, but you'd think you'd put it on the outside of the house, not inside the house, so you wouldn't get caught. But, of course, this crazy bitch I mean, does I, it all over she the house. Doesn't, she obviously was not the smartest woman, because, like, look at what she put 
grammatically on that Facebook met, like post that she did because that was a right. like, public Facebook post. Yeah, like she put that for everybody that she was friends with to see. Mm-hmm. Like, look at all the fuck ups that she did there. Yeah, you know, so she's not the broadest. Mm-mm. You know, she might think that the red crayons taste like cherry. Like I don't. She just gives off that vibe, right? Like you she know? knows what which crayon tastes like what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. She's yeah. definitely taking a bite out of one of those. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I hope she rots. Yeah. In cause... fucking prison because she, this she is like one of the top five craziest bitches I've ever come across in yeah. true crime now. The, on, the, the only other one I can think of that's like that just wild is that woman you covered who killed everyone who came into her house. Yeah. Yeah. For the money. For the money. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. I would so, say Liz is crazier than her. Really? I would. I mean, they're they're kind of up there. I don't know. I mean, I mean, one's a serial killer, one's a stalker. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I would I would put Liz pretty high. Yeah, this was just crazy. I know. Yeah, she and when she realized like the facade of of the Carrie situation, she was like, Amy, Amy, like, yeah. <laughs> like when she realized, oh well, this is starting to slip. Let's blame this on Amy now. You know, she's like, and Amy's just over here like. I'm just trying to raise my kids. Like, I, I don't even. I don't want to get in Dave's shit. <laughs> She's like, we had our time. We made children together. I'm let him live. We see, we co-parent. We see the kids. Yeah, like, like, She's like, you know, I don't want to like, be involved in this. Like, I didn't shoot you in the thought. Yeah. Like, <laughs> fucking crazy. And then she's like, she did, though. Like, even for weeks after. They literally tracked Amy's phone. And she was at her house the entire night. Yeah. And she's like, okay, but I don't care. She shot me. Right, yeah. And then they're like, I mean, the digital evidence really, really did her in. Like, it, this was... and Yeah, I mean, it'll get you every time. Tony so, Tony was that man. Yeah. Tony was that man. Tony's the MVP. He really is the and MVP. And those two detectives, but Tony, really, he's the MVP. Yeah. That's that. why I said not everybody at the Potomotomy <laughs> fucking police station. That's why I said not all of them are bad. Because they specifically went and requested to take over this case. They were like, we, yeah. we want it. Give it. Let's do it. Me. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they did a damn good job. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that justice was served and that, you know, unfortunately, they never found yeah. Gary and that, yeah. that sucks. And- but by all accounts, um, Max lives with his grandmother, Nancy, and uh-huh. they're doing really well. Good. And they're always good. there for each other and stuff. And good. He, um, I mean, he doesn't live there now, probably. He's right. a grown man, but he might. I mean, I don't know. But yeah. By all accounts, like he's they they both right. They're doing okay. You know they yeah. they were there for each other and they were doing okay. And it's just I wish that Carrie could be laid to rest. And I know, yeah, you know, but but I don't. But justice has been served. So yeah, that's what we like to hear. We just justice has been served, but I don't feel like the book was able to be closed because she's not been laid to rest. Right? Like no, yeah, no, for sure. But they made a movie out of it. Did they? Uh, they did. There was a movie. I didn't look into any details about the movie. I just know that they did make one. Mm-hmm. And Netflix is supposed to be releasing a like mini docu series on this case at some point this year. Ooh, we're gonna have to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Okay. Well, something to look forward to. Yeah. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, listeners. Sorry if I confused you guys. No, that was a great case. Uh, be careful out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, and. Just goes to show you, things aren't always as they seem. Yeah. Truly. And look really hard at the people that you pass in the hallway. I mean, really. I just. Yeah. (laughs) That's wild. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye.